and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Wade In Podcast, your weekly review show, news show, everything you want. It's here on a Monday morning for you. We are recording on a Sunday night tonight, just a little bit earlier because we're doing something exciting tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. Uh, so if anything breaks overnight, that's why we haven't covered it is what I'm trying to say. We can introduce the boys as always. TC, you're back from your holiday. A few days off. Where did you go? What did you do? I took a leaf out of your book, went down to Cornwall for the best part of a week. It's very ah, nice. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was good. Yeah. Something a bit different. Um, do, you yeah, just... sw- do you switch off from racing altogether when didn't, you're away? Didn't look at Twitter, didn't look at racing. On the on the five-hour journey back from Truro, I caught up on all the week's racing, all the Royal Ascot. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was good. Good to switch off for a week. Brilliant. Now you're fresh and raring to go for all things Royal Ascot now. The build-up is well and truly on. Brendan, you're in great form on Thursday's Racing Only Better pod, not with your winners or anything, just in general. Your just general demeanour was good form. Uh, are you bringing a similar level of energy, please, today? Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited and enjoyable uh, week last week. Uh, that Thursday was actually in the middle of a triple header. Uh, of going to the races, uh, but I, I, I did manage to get to the races this weekend, so I, I, I should be perfectly fresh, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. It's exactly what we want here. And Kevin Blake, you must be in cheery form. You're always in cheery form. Well, no, not bad at all. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you're in very cheery form because you just watched American Sonia bolt up in France today, but you haven't gone hey. down that path yet. No, no, I'll let, I'll let you mention that, Vanessa, but yeah, that was, that was particularly sweet, yeah. <laughs> okay, we will get to that in due course, everyone. Um, let's kick off with racing review like we normally do. Not a huge amount to get through today, but we'll focus in on a few markets ahead of the Royal Meeting. Uh, Prince of Wales Estates Market, all change. Everywhere, left, right and centre. Desert Crown, obviously, blistering gallop, now out. Frankie on, now off. Will he take the ride on Bay Bridge? Ray Bridge. Poor Richard Kingscote is going to be absolutely scuppered here. And meanwhile, you've got ADAR and Luxembourg up at the top of the market. West Wind Blows was a market mover after the weekend, 25 to 1 from 66s, having bolted up, well, not bolted up, but won at Longchamp today for the Crisford operation. Um... How are we viewing the Prince of Wales's market? Kevin, I'll come to you first, off the back of the movers and shakers. Yeah, sure. Look, pity about Desert Crown. Hopefully he's he's back soon enough. But um, even without him, it looks like it's going to be a right race now. Um, really deep, you know, between Adair, Luxembourg, um, Bay Bridge, and others, including my Prospero, um, which is the one I think I might be leaning towards when we get there. Um, thought he ran really well in the, the lockage. Um, funny old kind of rhythm to the race. He was up there in the van and, um, you know, very hot middle part of the race. And that was a bit much for him. But I think getting back up to 10 furlongs was suit well. But look, it, it's going to be great. I can see the case for Bay Bridge um, as well. Um, you know, he was beaten beat by Luxembourg at the Curra. But um, yeah, really interesting rematch. And now they are thrown into the mix, so I won't ramble anymore. We'll deal with it on the Royal Ascot preview. But uh, suffice to say, I'm very excited about the Prince of Wales. We will indeed deal with it then. And that's what we're going to record tomorrow. Listeners, viewers out there, it will be with you 7pm on Monday. It's our specialist Royal Ascot preview show. Us guys, actually not us guys, sorry. Take out Brendan, sub in 
Dan Barber. And we'll be going through all the big races for the Royal Meeting a week ahead to give you plenty of chance to get involved. So wait for that. Um, TC, what do you make of the Prince of Wales's market and all the guff around Desert Crown? It's irrelevant now that he's out, isn't it? Yeah, um, feel disappointed for the people who latched on on the gamble on the back of the gallop. I mean, I gather, I didn't listen to it, I gather Sir Michael Stout's assistant poo-pooed uh, the report by David Mills in the Racing Post. And I spoke to someone who would have a, a very good idea about what the gallop was. And he just said it was a leg stretch over two furlongs. And he thought the piece about it was a big con, quote unquote. I won't go into who it was, but so I feel sorry for the people who got uh, pulled into the gamble. Um, obviously, it was the race of the meeting. It still probably will be, but I, I don't think they're going to um, risk Bay Bridge on, on on good to firm a quick no. round. So, you know, some Michael Stout might not even have a runner now. And I was looking at the race and I probably came to the same conclusion that the my Prospero could be the angle, but... I looked into it a bit further and it's on the back of something someone someone mentioned to me last week. Why would you run Hookham in a group two Hardwick? What when he's already a group one winner over a mile four? Why wouldn't you supplement him into the Prince of Wales over a mile two, get a group one, group one uh, winning to him? And with the absence of Desert Crown and possibly Bay Bridge it's a little bit more winnable than it would have been. So I'm just wondering whether they might, I'm assuming they can supplement into the Princess, uh, Prince of Wales. I just wonder whether they'll be tempted by Hookham to get a Group 1 uh, mile 2 into him. Um, yeah, I'll be fascinated to see you know, what, what happens at the five-day stage. But yeah, it's intriguing, still a cracking intriguing. race. It's still a cracking race, but it could get even, even better. Yeah, it's an intriguing angle. I mean, unless they're guaranteed a bit of good bit of cut in the ground. Would they risk hook him at all on good to firm ground at Royal Ascot? I could see oh, him long, swerving. Long range forecast. Ooh, spicy. spicy. Lots of sunshine. Yeah. Lots of sunshine. Would... I'm gearing up for one of those Royal Ascots where it's just a, a horrible place to be a man in general. <laughs> in, 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 be... for, it's, it's one of the few times in the, you know, the sartorial practicalities of dress where uh, men can be deeply unfavoured compared to women, and that's at the royal meeting when when there's morning dress involved, because uh, the big more the big especially if you're now I'll give you a hint, lads. If you're going to the royal meeting and you're planning on wearing morning dress, I'll mark your card. If you're renting a suit, right, be very very wary about the big old heavy woolen ones. If you wear one of those in thirty plus degrees, you're in danger of death. You can go and buy one or rent one with a lovely light material. It'll change, but, but it won't change your life. It'll make your life slightly more bearable if it's 30 plus the Royal Ascot and you have to wear the old topper and the, and the morning coat. It's, it's, it's deeply uncomfortable. You guys will be like those um, soldiers that were out on parade during this weekend's heat wave over here. Just that. Oh, poor fella. I mean, honestly, oh, it wasn't just Lord. one fella. It was a few fellas. It's just like everyone just carry on. Oh. We've got one hand down. Just keep going. We'll be like that, no. Kev. You'll be they down. Didn't, they didn't rush a doctor it. to him. They just, they just like in the First World War, they just stretch <laughs> yeah. the bearer. Didn't, didn't rush a doctor over and just give him first aid. Just stuck him on a stretcher and wheeled him off. Wheeled him off. I know. <laughs> and and what the one thing I was going to say about the top hat is it better to have a, a big hair bear hair, or is it better to be a baldy underneath the top hat when it's thirty degrees? I'm, I think I'd rather. Uh, have uh, 
That's well, it. That's it. The, 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 the Hasbro Lacta is a heat trap, anyway. TC, you, th- you think you might be better off now, but I think that the Hasbro Lacta is a heat trap, regardless. So yeah, it's just not a happy place. I remember. Uh, oh God, Churchill was running the St James's Palace. It was like thirty-five degrees, and like for the first time in living memory, they announced over the tannoy that gentlemen are permitted to remove their coats in the mm-hmm. royal enclosure uh, because people were at risk of death. It was, it was absolutely yeah. horrific. So ho- hopefully, it's not that bad this year. Fingers crossed, it's not. And anyone hoping to see Hookham at the royal meeting will also be hopeful that uh, it is heavily watered with a bit of juice in there somewhere somewhere a little bit of juice is all he needs firm wouldn't i don't think they'd risk him on it but onwards we go brendan you've been left out of proceedings here you haven't got involved with the top hat chat bring mm. it back to the racing not only did we see west wind blows obviously win at Longchamp, but we also saw the aforementioned american sonia who's now 20 to 1 from 33s for the coronation stakes winning for the joseph o'brien team obviously a listed race She's not, is she actually, sorry, I don't know why we come to you, Brendan, here. I was trying to involve you, but Kevin, you're an obvious place to go to. Will she even even rock up at Ascot? I'm presuming, well, I don't know, actually, will she? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say pretty unlikely, I'd say. Haven't, um, haven't touched base on it now since this afternoon, but um, yeah, it was, it was a big job done now to make her a, make her listed winner. So um, yeah, I'd say it could be a, a, a smaller step up the ranks rather than into that particular white hot fire. That would be a white hot fire indeed. Uh, Brendan, you can take Jumby, who is now 14 to 1 from 20s for the Wokingham after winning the John of Gorn stakes at Haydog. He's just a dude of a horse at this level. And oh. the Eve Johnson Horton team, they're just going great guns at the moment, rocking and rolling. Going, going great guns. And uh, what, a, what a horse to have in the yard. I mean, it was, did you get 60 grand for winning the Hungerford last year? Another 40 grand here, a couple of group races. Now, I'm not sure he should be getting cut for the Wokingham because it means he's going to have to race off 114. Now, he was third off 105 in the race last year, but whether whether he's a £9 better horse and, and, and he didn't win it, I mean, I love the class angle and handicaps, but even for me, it'd be, it, it'd be a stretch. But she did absolutely the right thing. And in fairness, she's, she, she's talking a big game. She says, oh, he loves carrying weight. So just look more on him. Um, so, so they're going to run. They're going to run him in, in the Wokingham. Why? I mean, he's made for the race. Of course, a stiff six furlongs for horses. Optimum trip is is probably seven furlongs. El Caballo a little unlucky in third, but would only have been second. Shout out to market efficiency. I thought that looked an impossible race beforehand, but they found the right fav and Jumby a worthy winner. And as you said, a very likable horse for a very likable outfit. Absolutely. And whilst we're with you, Brendan, what about? Some of the two-year-olds we saw in the week just gone um, mm. and talking about sort of trainers hitting form. We saw a nice one in Rosalian win mm. at Newbury for the Hannon Yard. They had a very good day. It was at a treble that day. He's been introduced at 14s for the Coventry. Do you think in any way on what you've seen on just that one start, he made any imprint in a race like the Coventry? It'd be interesting to see if they if they run them as as you know. There's been a bit of series recently with me and my racing professor role, which told you about Aidan O'Brien with improving fillies and William Haggis like to have winners at York. And <laughs> listeners, the listeners probably won't know that the Hannans like to introduce a good two year old in Newbury. Uh, indeed, <laughs> indeed, they, they they may not also know that they've changed tack recently, uh, where, where the horses tend to come on for the debut. So it was interesting. It was eleven to eight five. I mean, I don't know what it says about the strength of the race. The second was 40 to 1. The third had been beaten a similar distance in a Pontefract maiden. But it was it was still a Newbury maiden. And 
given it, they, they, they obviously rate the horse. And he took a while to warm to the task. He was off the bridle a long way out, but he, he really did lengthen well and, and won snug enough in the end. I suppose it would be significant if, if they ran. I mean, it looks a red hot Coventry, but then when doesn't it? So I, I'm, I'm not here to dismiss him uh, uh, at all. He, yeah, if, if they decide to let him take his chance, I'm sure he has a chance. Okay, like it. Hannan's like to introduce a good one at Newbury. I'll just note that down. Thank you good very job. much good for that. Um, two-year-old Billy. actually, because it's switching to Sky Sports Racing, isn't it, next year? We might Thank need you. That. Yes, it is. That's when I'm on course. That's one of the lines I'll wheel out. Lovely. <laughs> that'll, that'll get me the pay rise I'm after. Just the job. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Blake, two-year-old fillies for you. Um, beautiful diamond bolted up at Nottingham. Another good one for Carl Burke. I just feel like... He's got this stable full of cracked two-year-olds. I don't know what they're going to become, but he's got them rocking and rolling and going to the Royal Meeting. She's in the mix with the Queen Mary. She's been introduced at six to one. Um, where does she rate or do you have any interest in her at this point? Oh, yeah, she could be in amongst them now. Look, uh, Carl has an awful lot of ammo to to sort out and he'll have a great line on them all, I'm sure. But like this filly was very good. Like She was a big... Um, she was a big performer at the Breeze Ups about six weeks ago. Um, like she was a 30 grand yearling and went to the Breeze Ups, did a rocket breeze. Um, Blanford Bloodstock could be one of the, the sharpest operations when it comes to um, assessing Breeze Up sales. They went really hard on her and, and got her for 360,000. So fair play to the Trade Wins boys. They had a, they had a right touch there. And um, yeah, look, look when, when these, when these horses make, you know, when horses with, with, with what the point would say, you know, not the most obvious of profiles make prices like this to the breeze ups, like they, they rarely end up disappointing. And, um, you know, this one's got it right the first time of asking, like really impressive. And um, there was, you know, it's again, it's uh, sometimes hard to know with these maidens, but on the clock, it wasn't too bad at all. And um, visually, it was really good. Um, and yeah, look at by Twilight Sun. Like I, I would always have those as ones that were, the angle I mentioned on Thursday. Like he, he wouldn't have a big debut percent at all, and they tend to, they tend to benefit from a little bit of time as well. So for her to be doing this now is is pretty impressive. So beautiful of diamond. These, I, I, I definitely be keeping her in your mind. Of these two roles that we're talking about, Kev, is there any concern in terms of? I'm throwing this your way, I think you're best qualified to answer it. The quick turnaround with Royal Ascot, they're going to have to be relatively hardy types. We're only a week and a half away now for some of these. Any concerns in that regard? You know, for a horse like her, she's done a breeze up, she's moved yards, she's bolted in in the first start for the new yard. It'd be, you know, they have, there's a lot to take in for a two-year-old there. Yeah, it's a hectic enough schedule, but look, you know, for, for these, you know, fast, sharp types, like Royal Ascot is... is their derby, you know, essentially, you know, if they can, if they can go and perform at Royal Ascot, you know, that's, that's the big box ticked and everything after that would be a bonus, you know? Um, so she's been busy. She's, she's had a busy schedule, but yeah, I, I, I think like she, it's not like she raced as, you know, as if, you know, she, you know, she raced like a, like a Wes Ward one first time out. Like there was hints of greenness, etc. So yeah. you'd hope that the experience was sharpen her up. Um, so yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't worry me. I take the point, but it wouldn't worry me with, with her. Okay. Um 
What about Midnight Affair, Tony? She went up and she won the Hillary Needler at Beverly for the Fahi operation. Lots of chat beforehand. She was a worthy favourite. She got the job done. Another one he'd have to take in the quick turnaround. But she's now eight to one for the Queen Mary from 11s. And she's 10 from 12s for the Albany, Tony. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I watched that on the way back today. I wasn't overly impressed by that. Wouldn't be going near that uh, at eight to one. There was another filly that won today. Um, um, over in Ireland, oh, yes. uh, Pearl and Rubies. Oh. Um, put up a really good performance to beat Iron Invictus, who finished third to Tiber, uh, River Tiber last time. Mm. And I, I, I did a column with Ryan for it, obviously. And uh, he said she had plenty of speed. And but obviously, because the dam was diamonds and rubies, Chester Oaks were not Oaks fourth. You know, they weren't sure whether the five furlongs were going to be too sharp. And I jokingly said to him, Well, as you haven't really got an obvious Queen Mary filly, if if this one wins this, would you wheel him out again quickly? Just laugh. So whether, oh. that's, just, whether that's just a shut up, you idiot, or possibly. Um, <laughs> we'll never know. Um, yeah, I, but that I thought, you know, I watched that. Obviously, got up close. I thought that was a really taking performance because, like I said, it's, um, you know, there's plenty of, you know, plenty of stamina in that pedigree for her to do that of a five. I don't, not sure. I'm not sure if it's a, uh, uh, an Aiden mo to wheeler it again so quickly after that, but it was a it was a very good performance. And um, okay, special mention then to her. Uh, we'll stick with you, Tony, because I think you wanted to mention regional, didn't you? Obviously, winning the listed race at yeah, the Haydock yeah. weekend, beating at Equilateral and Cove. They had Bethel Yard, but you were impressed, not one to just massively impressed. Um, yeah, man, I obviously just look just looking. I, that's one of the races that I did catch yesterday. One hard prepping for this in advance and it was amazing wasn't it blasted out there and that's on a really that seems to be on a really kind of like a good progressive curve there and I don't know where they're going to go next but you'd imagine they'll have to go to Royal Ascot on the back of that and another Royal Ascot also very quickly mentioned Tower of London I, I knew Ryan loved this after it won on debut at two disappointing on his next two starts but just having looking at that performance uh, when at Leperstown on Thursday, again, I think they're going to, it sounds like they might be edging towards the King Edward the seven stakes with that. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think that's a top price 20s with a sports book. So that could be quite interesting. I was just taken by the way he, he he hung a bit left, but once Ryan corrected him and straightened him out close home, he really went on again. So given that the regard they they hire, obviously the king of the seventh stage. I think there's still a 40 odd horses in there. You don't know what's going to turn up. So, yeah. yeah, I was when we obviously we're recording the bear, the preview show tomorrow, and I was obviously doing a bit of prep for it. And I saw that race and I just was like, pass, no idea what's going to It's gonna not obviously you, you don't know what's going to rock up there, but it sounds like they are going to maybe, maybe, maybe go there. And like I say, given that, given the regard of the jockey holds him in, but like I said, it's, uh, I just thought I'd, I'd mention that because, uh, yeah, I, I I was quite taken by it, albeit at a much lower level than they'd be running at Ascot. Okay, well, Brendan, just a quick note to you then. Were you at Leperstown on Thursday? Did you see Tower of London? As TC said, now 20s from 40s uh, for the King Edward if they chose to go there. Uh, yes, I did see him, but he's a very good-looking horse. He always he always has been, been and uh, as Tony mentioned, he looked he looked the real deal on debut and has then disappointed subsequently. Now, I'm not sure what that form is worth on Thursday. I mean, the Bulger horse was second favourite is blown out completely. The second and third are maidens, albeit promising maidens. I wouldn't be getting carried away. Aiden did mention afterwards that they were running them here 
over a mile and six to see which race they go for in Royal Ascot, either 10 furlongs or 12 furlongs. So the only race he's in is the, is the King Edward. What's that 10 furlong race? It's a listed race, but it's um, only Hampton Court, Group 3. Yeah, the, the, mm. it was a Group 3, is it? Well, it, it should yeah, be that, that hasn't closed. That hasn't closed yeah. uh, so maybe they're thinking about the Hampton Court as well. But the, the King Edward would, would I should know this. Is that mile six on Thursday? Yeah. Mile, mile four. Oh, was it a mile four? Oh, sorry. Oh, there you go. Uh, and I was there. What a, what a job I did. Uh, sorry, for some reason, I thought it was a mile six. Anyway. They went, they went, they went so slow, it may as well have been five hours. <laughs> <I think. laughs> uh, they crawl well, around. What, what, whatever he does in, uh, in, in, wherever he goes in Ascot, he'd have to take a, a, a fair step up from that form. But he could do it, eh? Okay. All right. A fair step up needed, but couple of positive nods about Tower of London. Um, yeah, before- just just a quick just to quickly mention on him, Vanessa, like like yeah. there in the springtime in March time, like he like this would have been Aiden's kind of sneaky derby horse. Like like he, he holds him in very high regard. But the thing is to 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 get him to settle, which is funny, like he, he's a he's a full brother to Capri, you know, who obviously ended up being a ledger horse yeah. and a stayer and you know, um, you, you're you're hoping for him to wake up rather than rather than go asleep, whereas this fella's the opposite. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like he's probably only run to a hundred the other night. But um, yeah, I'd say you hope there's there's a good chunk more in him. If they wanted to get creative, now I know what I'd do. I'd run him in one of the one of the handicaps for sure. <laughs> Off that rating, yeah, absolutely wouldn't be dreaming of handicap. Court. They go for the, the King George the fifth handicap there off a mark of ninety nine or a hundred, and now uh, you find out there if he if he's as good as you think he is. <laughs> that that'll be what I do, but um, they tend to be a bit more ambitious. <laughs> um, let's give a special mention to the Belmont Stakes. Jenna Antonucci and Arcangelo winning, becoming the first female to train a winner of the Belmont Stakes, and. Kevin, in a time where there's lots of <sighs> negative press in and around American racing in general, this is a very good news story for them. Great to see. So I'm smiling away to myself there. Just got just got a vivid image of um, Tony Calvin down, down in Cornwall trying desperately to find a stream or something so he could watch the Belmont Stakes, the, one of the uh-huh. highlights of his of his beloved American race. Do you, do you want to you know that just very quickly? I um, <laughs> someone, someone from Twitter I've never met found out that I was down. And it, you know, oh, oh, geez, I was dangerous. He turned up, honestly, he turned up. You know, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll show you around Cornwall. So he turned up on the Tuesday morning. For about four and a half hours, he took me around, around Cornwall, St. Michael's Mount, and everything like that. I've oh, never met, the, but never get, never, never met the guy before. And I just said, "Look, if it's raining on Saturday, where can we go and what's racing in Cornwall?" He said, "Oh, no pubs show racing in Cornwall." So the oh. the, the, the idea of and apparently that's true. So the idea of me finding someone showing the whatever it was <laughs> American <laughs> race <laughs> at half eleven on a on a Saturday evening at work. Zero. Zero. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just to complete the sidetrack, Vanessa. If you've never been to St. Michael's Mount, if you've never heard of it, certainly get on the Google machine and have a look. I, I've been there. It is absolutely ridiculous, it's unbelievable breathing. place. It really Great is. Breath. It's like so, it's like something out of a fairy tale, as they say in uh, in Bruges. And uh, you can have you can you can have a look at the French equivalent as well, Mont Saint Michel, if you want to really culture yourself up. But uh, to get back to the Belmont Stakes, Vanessa. Uh, Whatever you want, yeah, guys. Honestly, I'm just here sure. trying to see this good shit. 
<laughs> so look, um, the you know the story here is is obviously um, is obviously uh, Jenna Antonucci becoming the first female trainer to win a leg of the triple crown, which is which is mad that it's taken this long to happen. But um, then when you think about it, like there isn't that many female trainers that would roll off the tongue in, in American racing compared to here. Um, we're, we we we've a whole heap of them under both codes that um that perform at the, at the highest level with regularity, but. Um, God, I'm trying to think that there was a, a very controversial and unsatisfactory ending to it, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, with the horse called uh, Run Happy that um, that had a lady training him. And I think it all ended in tears very quickly. Um, but yeah, why, why isn't there more successful female trainers in, in American racing? Maybe some of our um, cross-Atlantic uh, correspondents can come back to us on that. But this was great. Uh, the great reaction video there. Um, America's, oh. America's Best Racing um, had someone with a... With um with with a camera in front of her uh, to watch her reaction live, uh, great stuff. Um, and yeah, good good for her. Um, uh, bloodstock angle because look, uh, American dirt racing isn't really my cup of tea. But um, poor old Arrogate. Um, we all remember what a good racehorse he was. He he died very young. Um, as a stallion and still from a kind of very limited numbers has thrown up some uh, some right ones and uh, he has a. Uh, a classic winner here, so uh, that's a pity. But look, hopefully he boots on now. Um, Arrogate himself, you know, seem to seem to want to get better with age. So, and um, this horse is likely raced, and hopefully can can drive on for her very likable connections. His very likable okay. connections, I should say. Sorry. Nice, right? Before we move on from our race uh, review section and tourism board segment as well, a um, couple of mentions to impressive performances this week. Uh, just away from the absolute obvious, although glaringly obvious. At Goodwood today, we saw Al Ashifa win for Jonathan Gosden, the Shadwell team, on her second start. Absolutely bolt up the three-year-old, uh, just sort of doing a piece of work. And then not the same category, of course, but in terms of two-year-olds, we saw Ancient Times at Haydock for the Appleby team. Again, sort of winning that sort of style that makes you really think, Jesus Christ, what might that be? And Brendan, I don't know if you've seen both those performances, obviously Goodwood only today, but like those sort of performances, both different for obvious reasons. I think it's quite rare you see those real wow early doors performances. And we got to see two this week from those big operations. Well, I'll have to go back. And I, I, I had an engagement yesterday, so I didn't see much racing from uh, Haydock. I watched the, the, the big races on, on replay. Um, but I was watching uh, Goodwood today and Alice for the appropriately named Alice for she is armed and dangerous. What a tool this look. Now, I know it's a listed race on the eve of Royal Ascot, so it mightn't be the, the, the strongest form. But the way she just travelled up there and she looks a big girl on telly, as uh, Kevin, Kevin would say, another one for that boy, Frankel. She looks a mm -hmm. big girl on the telly, but beautifully balanced just travelled up. You can't believe how much she's done. I'm just under, I'm not even sure you'd describe it as a hand ride. She just lengthened away. And I, in the aftermath, Johnny G suggested that they might go for the Irish Oaks. Now, obviously, that's a huge step up. But I don't know what you do with a filly like this. You can't go into Group 3, company, but you can't just be, be progressing. Because I don't want to mention Baid. Obviously, you know, it's, it seems silly. that I mean, how often are you going to get horses of that calibre? And it probably won't work out like that for her. But you can get these situations where these late development types, she, she, she won on debut. They knew her better on debut now, unlike by each. She was twos on on debut and she was four to seven in a listed race today. She's obviously been shown plenty at home. 
Uh, and in the aftermath, the Jeep mentioned uh, the, the Irish Oaks, and I would love to see her there because that was a breathtaking performance today. Lovely, right? Rave reviews. When you bet fair on racing, you get daily rewards. So any day can be a big deal. Like with our racing multiples offer. So if you like to dabble in doubles or flirt with lucky 15s, get extra places on horse racing any day this week. Daily rewards with Betfair. Win or each way market only. Place part of each way bet. Settle at 1.5 odds. Selected UK and Ireland races. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. Let's move on to news, news, news. Let's start with news. Brighton non-runners. Yeah, news. If I didn't say it already, news. Uh, Brighton non-runners, guys. Bit of a disaster again. This time it seems like an entry software glitch for anyone who may have missed this. I don't know if you could have done. There was a six-runner race and about an hour and a half before the off, there were suddenly four non-runners, leaving it just a two-runner race because four horses that have been declared to run and were there on track, ready to run, about to weigh out, et cetera, et cetera, uh, were not qualified to run in the race. It was a race that had specific qualifying rules of entry. And for some reason, the entry software hadn't flagged this up. No one else seems to have flagged this up. It was noticed just beforehand. And as a result, they were made to be non-runners on the day. Um, Brighton are offering some sort of compensation to connections, but it's a little bit of a mess. Is this this? It seems like a very odd one-off TC. This because normally, if you're not qualified to run in a race, you can't even enter it. Well, you can, but it immediately comes up as as not qualified and not giving a not giving a weight. Um, you know, they, they really should have pricked up because a, a race at Brighton got six runners, so they must have known uh, something was up there. Um, <laughs> Uh, but he makes a good point it it was a weird weird qualification i mean you had to have um if you if you won more than twice then you weren't eligible yeah but what obviously there's there's two there's two strands to this how did four of the six trainers not read the what need not read the qualifications that just seems bizarre Uh, no is that that's inexplicable that the four train four four out of six trainers Enter horses that were ineligible. So, did did the did that not show up? Did it change? I mean, I, I'm sure there'll be a debrief and lessons will be learned. But that that's bizarre. <laughs> Fundamentally, it looks to be the trainer's fault. But for them, for they were in the BHA to pick it up until the day, and I, it was it was worded in a way that we don't know. Reaction. It could well be a member of the press. It could be a member of the public. Is worded in a way that we don't know, or actually, who who alerted the BHA to this. So, in the obviously, the BHA have to take ultimate responsibility, but the trainers aren't far behind. Ah, come on now! I don't want to get all under siege too on your ass, but assumption is the is the mother of all fuck ups. I mean, if they have a system where you put in uh, horses that aren't qualified and it always flags it up as they're not qualified, you're not even going to read the conditions. You're just going to assume. I, I don't blame them for that. Uh, you and don't then, blame the trainers for not reading the qualifications. No, 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 no because they just, they, well, they just they know. They see the handicap. They, they have the right the, rating. That the button's going to say, Hayley Moore made this point. She said there's, there's lots of things. That, I think she mentioned vaccinations. I can't remember. She said something in her interview that this happens all the time. And the thing just flashes up. And then you say, oh, I'm not qualified. Move on to the next one. 
and 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 then of course uh, the BHA not picking it up because they're working under the same assumption. Like in a sense, it, 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 I don't want to make excuses for a balls up, but in a sense, it's a wonder they spotted it at all. You know that, that, that it didn't happen in the aftermath of the race with all this assumption going on, and then they were a little bit unlucky because you know the way racing, well. Devout racing star, uh, fans can be a little bit spectrumy. It's the kind of thing that someone might look at in a 48-hour deck situation and spot. Someone could have spotted it before then, just as you said, a, a member of the public. They were mm. they were a fraction un unlucky as well. But I don't I don't know if I blame like I've worked in jobs and you, you, you are a hostage to technology in many ways. I just keep pushing buttons the same as I push the buttons, you know, monkey see, monkey do. And it always works until it doesn't work. Uh, so it, do, you, I have a bit of do you remember, I think it was a few years back, and I think it was someone on Twitter alerted to it when there was a an ineligible runner won the Badger Beers and had to be, dis I think it was a Badger Beers. Yeah. Disqualified yeah. afterwards. Yeah. I okay. think it was a guy... Um, it might be John Basquiat on Twitter. He's not on there much, but he's very, very clever guy, punter, etc. Um, yeah, and and no, and like you see that one, you know, that's a talk about a sixty grand handicap, and you had to have a certain amount of runs. I'm assuming I can't remember the exact details, but there are very high profile cases where it does happen. And like I said, it's not necessary. I don't think the BHA uh, would have picked. I, I, I'm, I'm reading between the lines that somebody's not involved with either the trainers or the BHA have alerted them to this and they, they must have had oh, a collective yeah, that could have happened. Well, yeah, yeah, look, there's there's two there's two parties in this side. Like I, I'd be probably more on Tony's side of this in that, you know, that you're you're a trainer, you're making entries, you should be reading the conditions and knowing that you're that you're qualified or not qualified. Um it's an unusual criteria like Jesus in I don't know if there's a place for it really in British racing, you know, considering field size issues and everything else. Do they really need to be applying conditions like that? But it's there, it's in the book. Um, you should know if your horse is qualified or not. And, and it, I'd imagine now this is a, a pretty depressing episode now for, for the BHA that no one spotted it, um, you know, until the relatively late stage. Like it should have been sorted out very quick. Um, look, if they have if they have technolo technological protocols in place that pick up this sort of thing, um, great. But really, you know, with a race, with a quirky set of conditions like that, like, God, someone should have been double-checking along the way. Uh, like, we have we have races like that in Ireland, too, occasionally, you know. Um, horses that haven't been placed in their in, in their last run. And I noticed, I just went went flicking, actually, just, just as you guys were talking to try and find a good example. And I, I noted... Um, the entry of a new type of race into the Irish racing calendar. I think it might be the first of its kind. It's a, it's a mile and a half handicap at Wexford confined to horses owned by racing clubs or syndicates. So that's so that's something that's something a little bit new. Uh, could be an interesting like one to uh, to to police maybe. But um, yeah, I think that's it's the only the, you, you you need you need to know if you're qualified or not. You 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 really do. Um, and look, if you if you make a mistake and you enter one that isn't qualified, um. The BHA should be picking it up. So there's been failures in all sorts of places, ending up with a beautiful two-runner race at Brighton. Um, lessons will know. be learned. Lessons will be Where learned. Where the yeah, four's own got stuffed. Yeah, it could be anyway. <laughs> I was just going to say final words, Brendan, on this, because in one word, will lessons <laughs> there we go. be learned, Brendan? Will lessons be learned? Oh, lessons and, will be learned, Vanessa. And, are and, you sure? You know, yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm moving forward and lessons will be learned. <laughs> Moving forward, lessons will be learned. Tell you else is moving forward, Kevin Blake. Irish racing. Here we go. 
Fairy House and Leopardstown. Sectional timing finally being rolled out or started to. Uh, GPS measured courses to provide correct race distances. And I'm sort of like reading up on this or reading the article you sent. And it just sort of, it's beggar's belief that this is something that seemingly I'm being asked to applaud in 2023 when we're in 2023. And it's like, congrats, guys, we might have correct race distances and we might know how fast they've gone in a race. We might. Fairly depressing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, I won't go off on one now because this just has been a long-term um, problem of mine. And uh, we, were, we were promised full sectional timing at, at the beginning of 2017 in Ireland. And <laughs> it, it's, it's still, it's still <laughs> like, grossly inadequate. Um, a, a complete and utter shambles. Um, you know, when when it was mooted, you know, the thing we all said the same thing, like, look, they're going to have to get the, the distances in order before they implement this. Otherwise, they're going to be made look foolish every day of the week because those of us that pay attention to such things have known distances have been a major issue in Irish racing for a long time. Um, there's been a couple of um, what I call un- under the table remeasurements re- over the years. I say that because they, they've seemingly been done. The official distances have been revised. But um, IHRB, you know, their communications have improved. But this was an example where they've done this a couple of times now. They never really told us. They never said we've gone and remeasured the tracks. They never said they never published the results. They never um, told us what the, the, the measurement protocol was, which is important. It has to be the same everywhere you go. The measurement tool has to be the same everywhere you go. And over the years, we've had a couple of tracks have gone on solo runs to their credit. Um, Galway, I wrote an article a good few, God, good few years ago now, seven, eight years ago, maybe highlighting um, like a really bad, incorrect distance during their festival where the track record was smashed on um, on soft ground. But the problem was the race was run about 120 yards short. And in fairness to them, they went and got the whole track professionally remeasured and republished their distances. They did the right thing and they, and they did it quickly as well and held their hands up. Um, and look, Fairy House and Leopardstown have gone seemingly off their own back to do this. Like how the IHRB can't just take a really simple uh, course of action here and say, lads, all the tracks have been professionally remeasured, um, professionally surveyed by one company using one method. We're going to tell you what happens. We're going to publish all the revised distances. We're going to tell you how exactly how it's going to work. And going forward, everyone knows where it stands. But again, it's it's 2000. What is it now? 2023 and tracks are still having to go on solo runs to get their distances in order. Like it is, it's great that it's happening. <laughs> he says, I haven't been starved for the last seven or 10 years on this issue, but um, how depressing that, that we're still waiting for the IHRB to do, do the, do the very simple right thing. Something the BHA did many, many years ago, um, just centrally implement a protocol, get the track surveyed, and it's done. Yeah. And it's done. Okay. And, and oh, yeah. Well, I, well I done, Leopard Sound of Fairy House. It's like, well done. <laughs> but you can't believe you're saying well done. But anyway, um, on we roll to the next point on the running order. Um, interesting. People may not have seen this, but Kenny Alexander um, and his investment group are buying into 888 and William Hill as their share prices offered value. Uh, why? Why and is this newsworthy, Brendan? Well, it's just interesting, I suppose, because you would feel like um, 
the certainly the British and, uh, and Irish bookmakers are a little bit beleaguered at, at, at the moment with with the way they're being treated. But you forget about the international uh, dimensions to this. I mean, there's a gold rush going on in America. William Hill have a presence out there. Eight eight eight, a very prominent international gaming brand. And uh, Alexander mentioned in, uh, in in an interview about this. He said he wants to speed up the the, the merger and the harmonisation. Um, be, be between the two of them, but I assume with a view of having a really uh, good good crack in America and and other jurisdictions, and hopefully the things will settle down over here. Uh, I know it, it, it's a slight, from what I understand of, of shares, these are a slightly self fulfilling prophecy. It looks like oh the markets reacted really well because the shares are up twenty five percent, but an element of that, from what I understand, is that the people buying the shares drive the price up. I mean, that makes sense. It's supply and demand, right? So I'm no expert on, on this, but there, there seem to be shrewd people involved who know the industry very well and have had great success in the past. So it's, it's a good sign for bookmaking on a global scale, but the, 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 there are some still dark clouds on the horizons locally. TC, you were just nodding away there. Anything more to add on that? Yeah, it was quite funny, actually. I, I didn't know anything about the story until it appeared on the running order earlier. So I, on the Racing Post site, I Google Kenny Alexander. And, and the second story that came out was the most interesting one, the one about the kebab shop. But uh, I'd rather talk about that for a bit. But, yeah. What? I don't... Oh, am I missing... No, no, no. If you, if you Google Kelly, Kenny Alexander on the Racing Post site, it'll, it'll pop up. Oh, Okay. Okay, so so. more about that than I did about the, uh, the, the uh, they bought a significant share in that it's 6.75%. So yeah. when they go in and buy that much, it's going to, it's going to bump the share price up, but um, whether or not it sustains, I don't know, but it's a, it's an interesting move. And as, as Brendan said, there's four or five people in there that are, are known names in the, in the industry. Now, one thing I was worried about whilst you were away, TC, and genuinely worried because I feared that this news was going to ruin your holiday because it's going to put a frown on your face. But I'm sure you'll be very saddened to hear the news coming out of Haydock in regards to Kirkland Hellwright leaving his job as clerk of the course, the role he's been in for nearly 25 years, set to, end at the, uh, set to leave at the end of March next year. So we've still got a little while with him, TC. Fear not. Um, but it's out with the old boys and it's going to be fresh faces new in, isn't it? Uh, so who, 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 who they got replacing him? I don't know. I don't think that's come out yet. I'm just saying that he's an old boy and he's out. I, I heard it was someone called Coco, uh, they, uh, apparently. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, um, no, look, I, I forwarded on um, a piece that Paul Keeley did uh, for the Racing Post last week. about Obviously, Kirkland Terror is, is much maligned, much ridiculed. Um, because of the, everyone thinks he's inaccurate going reports, but um, Keeley actually dug down into it and actually found out, and it came as no surprise to people who, who bet on the Newmarket July course that Michael Prosser and um, uh, and the Newmarket July course were the most misleading going reports as regards to what the Racing Post thinks. So I think only 27% of Newmarket July um uh, readings were actually actually kind of like tallied with what the racing posts are doing. So it's it's quite bizarre, isn't it? But I mean, look, Kirkland is a nice bloke. He's a victim of his own honesty and openness. And he's not one of these clerks that, you know, try to exude a, an air of self-importance when, they, when they're when they having chats and stuff like that. I mean, look, it's a, look, 
he had, he has fucked up from time to time. Most recently, uh, a, a fortnight ago. But um, no, I, he's a fundamentally nice bloke, and uh, yeah, good retirement. As as we say, it's, it's becoming one of the great racing cliches, isn't it? Who's want to be a clerk of the course? Definitely not us. Um, right, nearly time to wrap up. But quick mentions the fact that Ascot have come out and say that they said that they are not taking out a high court injunction ahead of the royal meeting. Unlike Epsom, they're obviously confident with their security setup and the policing they already have is going to be enough. Um, Kev, I don't really want to give much more time. Uh, yeah, much more time. I don't know if we were wrapping up. Kev's got a 15-minute rent to come, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah, you know what? TC, do you see what I just did there? I was like, oh, I'll bring in Kev here. He can talk about this for a second. And then I saw Theodore Ladd as the bottom of the running order. And I was like, oh, no, that's double Kev. So I'm going to take it off to you, Kev. I'm going to reframe the Ascot question to Brendan instead to allow you to breathe ahead of Theodore Ladd. Uh, yes. I, I, I mean, it was interesting whether they didn't want to pay the money. I find that hard to believe because uh, Ascot always strikes me as uh, dripping in money and uh, I, I wouldn't have thought that would have been an issue. So perhaps they have some intelligence that suggests that it's not going to be un under threat this year. But, but I don't know if there are, are any back channels or any, anything with the animal rising. Perhaps they're, they're licking their wounds after after Epsom didn't, didn't go as well as they hoped. I mean, you would, you would suspect the fact that they didn't do it. The only motivations I can see are that it was too expensive, which I, I'm, I'm not sure would have been a concern, although Kevin did mention that um, <clears throat> it costs an awful lot of money to do yeah. it at Epsom, or, or, or that they're happy with, with their security. I mean, that is a factor, actually. I've just thought of that now. I really should have thought of it before. That. But, I mean, did the people who work in security in Ascot are, you know, they used to work in tandem with people who mind the royal family. So they, they, they yeah. know a thing or two about security. So they, they, Yeah, that, look, that, uh, yeah. That, that's it, Brendan. I think they're much better shaped than Epsom in that it's a much more defendable track. You know, the existing protocols would already be really strong. Um, you know, ask it wouldn't wouldn't be suitable for, the, for um, it, you know, it's quite expensive to get into uh, for, for these yeah. people with, with, with no jobs, etc. Wouldn't be the most desirable place to go. Now, in fairness, they, they did manage to infiltrate um the setup last year you might remember they uh they, they put a few activists there on the catering staff yeah which uh, is quite quite a commendable effort now they, they they you know they did their homework they got him in as catering staff but they, they fell at the final hurdle in that they, they pounced and got on track um and managed to attach themselves to the running rails which and uh, near the winning post, which probably seemed like a great victory until they realized that the running rails actually pop out of the ground really easily. Yeah. And uh, they just pop, pop the rails up and took them off quite <laughs> with, with, with very little fuss and not many people noticing. Um, so look, ah, look we, sh we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't jest because look, these, these, um, these people are going to be probably a bit of an ongoing threat. But, um, yeah, Ascot seemed pretty comfortable. And if they're comfortable, that's good for me. Yeah. Like you, I thought is probably. Like you say, it's such high security there everywhere you go, anyway, during the world meeting. They um, could hide a lot of stuff under top hats, though, couldn't they? They wanted to get <laughs> they? They could, top, top hats. Those all, the all, they could, more they than could, just they, they could smuggle in all kinds of grief underneath the top hats. Um, let's talk about and the long skirts. Or oh. all joking aside, Theodore Ladd at Nottingham this week, he's riding a horse called My Chiquita. 
at Nottingham and he won on the horse, but about two furlongs out, he pulls out to get his run essentially and literally knocks sideways a rival. Um, he obviously went on to win the race, but he's got five days for careless riding, Kev. And you have been banging this drum for a long time in regards to what's careless riding, what's dangerous riding, where's the line, etc., etc. I mean, if this doesn't cross the line, then I don't know what does. Um, yeah, look, look, bad case, bad case. Um, worst one we've seen for a little while. Um, and look, I, I'm blue in the face on this. I, I gave this particular issue the best possible rattle I could give it three years ago. And uh, we're still, we're three years down the line. Nothing's changed. There was talk there um, late last year, um, kind of getting an inside line. That the 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 the, the chat was that once the BHA sorted out the whip, that they were going to tackle interference. Um, the whip clearly hasn't been sorted out just yet. It's it's kind of an ongoing um, an ongoing mess. And I'll tell you. Um, um, you know, since the we're, we're closing in 20 years now, we're almost at. In the last 20 years, there's been one verdict of dangerous riding in British racing. What was um, it? Uh, Tony Colhane on a horse called Mazola at Newcastle. What did he do? Um, I dare say nothing as bad as this. <laughs> um, yeah, look, it was a it was a bad case. Look, shocking, look, shocking, could have been. Could have been horrendous, like a real, real bumper car stuff. Hope the boat horses um, were okay after the race. Um, I mean, he was and, just lucky that the rival he bumped into was balanced enough, and it kind of like it yeah. seemed to get its footing in order to land and keep galloping. But yeah, exactly. The yeah, actual maneuver is as bad as you'll see in terms of contact in a race without a horse coming down. Yeah, it was. It was very, very severe. Very severe, and five days. Like, come on, that's fine. To call it careless riding is ridiculous, but to say it's at the kind of the the, the low to mid end of careless riding, like it's just, uh, it's just, I, I, I struggle not to laugh because I'm so exasperated with the whole thing, and I tend to laugh when I'm exasperated. But um, it's just, it's just remarkable. Like the and it, I've made the point many times, but it's just so mind blowing to me that the BHA have seen fit to come down so hard on the whip. Like so hard, the way they've gone about it, like you'd swear there was there was daily protests outside racecourses about the whip, and they had and they thought, right, we really have to deal with this. This this is this is horrendous, and mm-hmm. um, we know that wasn't the case. They've gone after it so aggressively, and they they've left this go on and on and on. You know, despite Freddie Tillicky, not just what happened to him, but the subsequent court case and the mockery that that made of the way British stewards treat interference, um, and they've done nothing. And this was just another glaring example. I, I, I did a, a highlight reel of abysmal cases of, of interference yeah. and, and joke and joke subsequent punishments. So this one would get in, I'd say. You'd have you'd have to put this one on the on the all time uh, highlight reel. Yeah. Um, and that's sad. Um, and look, as Nick Luck was was good and strong and look on Sunday and basically said, look, does someone have to be in wheeled out in an ambulance for them to take the interference seriously? Um, yeah, no, that's I don't. My, that's, I don't understand what. What I mean, obviously, the stewards watch back the races, they look at the rule book, and they come to the conclusion that it's five days for careless riding. But, like, if we can all see what we've seen and discuss, uh, you, you, you have to remember it's a weird, it's a weird industry. The health and safety regulations are written with the customer in mind, not the staff. It's, it's <laughs> the only industry I can think of that's like that. They're more worried about horses getting disqualified because I mean, there's lads cutting each up, uh, each other up regularly. 
and, and, and if they were to actually police this, there'd be horses getting thrown out left, right, and center, not just horses to place first, horses to place second, horses to place second. Now, I, 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 it, it would put an end to it, but they, yes. they're obviously they're obviously more worried that the, 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 the punters will get a pain in their arse. It's, 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 what's and what, it's for sad people like me who look at the whip reports every week, you're getting, you know, regularly jockeys getting four to eight days. And if it's a, a multiple offence, e- even more, we're actually giving an amount incorrect, uh, uh, not enough time to, um, to actually react to the whip. It's like a, a four to eight days. They must be looking at that. They must be looking at Field or Ladden thinking... That's just taking the piss out of us here. Yeah, like you go, you go a couple of inches above the the the, the permitted height with your stick, and you and you get four days. Now this is five days. Like look at that incident, right? And the kid, you know, I I wouldn't call it careless riding. I, I just wouldn't. But it, they've called it careless riding. The scope they have within careless riding is two days to fourteen days, and they've said, yeah, that looks like a five day or to me. You know, like that's just we, we've seen that's, some. That's cats. the bit I don't understand. That's kind of what I was trying just. to get at. Is that like I don't understand how anybody who has the gift of sight can see that and think that that's not a very serious offence, even if you low, are to, low to mid range, low to mid range. No, that's what I mean. To I I'm careless. You know, they have an improper riding rule. They have a, a dangerous riding rule. Improper riding. The definition causing interference by making a manoeuvre when he, she knew or ought reasonably to have known that interference could occur. You know, show them that. Show them that footage. You know, dangerous riding, purposely interfering with another horse or rider or riding in a way that is far below that of a competent and careful rider and where it would be obvious to such a competent and careful rider that riding in that way was likely to endanger the safety of another horse or rider. You can clearly fit that definition to that incident, but no, they've gone for careless riding, low to medium. You know, that there's scope within the rules for the BHA to relook at these things. I'm pretty certain. I know there is in Ireland. We've seen recent examples of it. Like how... How could the BHA not look at that piece of stewarding and go, whoa, hold on, lads? Yeah, I was going to say, this is, this is, this is clearly wrong. Day, if someone's like, made this, a mistake this, this, in the steward's room on the day, I don't know the answer to this, but do the BHA have it within their ability to then go back and say, hang on, pal, you're one of our stewards, but you've got this wrong? Just very quickly, did I only saw the side on because I, I went and looked at the race. Was, was there a head on shown? Yeah, yeah. yeah if, if you that. chase up, um, if you chase up, um, oh, Graham Cunningham tweeted it. You'll find it in his Twitter. Um, but just, it just really, and look, because we know, I know, I, the, like the problem here is, and what frustrates me so much is that the whip is the whip, right? They're they're going after that for for purely perception reasons, not welfare reasons. Interference, like, is a fundamental risk to horse and rider, um, and we've seen it with Freddie Talicki and others. Like the, the, this, the, the the consequences of this can just be catastrophic. Um, for horses too, um, and they're just they're just they're playing Russian roulette. Um, interestingly, I, was, I had a conversation with with a top Irish jockey recently, and they and again typical IHRB, but there's a strong feeling within the Irish weighing room that interference has started to have been more strictly dealt with in recent times. And they feel amongst themselves that they're having to tighten up because it's been tackled um, with a bit more rigor. Again, the IHRB haven't said anything. That may or may not be the case. It's certainly the way the riders feel. But again, IHRB communications, if that's the case, um, that should be announced. 
Um, but look, the BHA really need to go after this. I'm like a broken record, lads, okay. but it's I, I, look, no one wants to be the one saying I told you so when when something horrific okay. happens again. But they they really are dancing with the devil the, the way they're allowing the, the riders to carry on. And like Brendan says, if you if you tighten up, you know, treble treble the bands, but was my long-standing view. Um, you might get some disqualifications early, you might get some riders getting some very heavy bands. But they soon adjust and soon sort themselves out because they're all well able to adjust when they go abroad um, and ride within, you know, much tighter rule sets, much more reasonable rule sets, I dare say. Yeah. Well, look, no one's going to care about a jockey lifting the whip two inches too high in a race where two horses get brought down, both get killed and something terrible happens to a jockey, are they? Let's be honest. But that's the way that the BHA are focused at the moment. Uh, That about wraps up our show, guys. I think that's about it. And that is pretty much it in terms of weighed in ahead of Royal Ascot, because now it's just Royal Ascot shows left, right and centre. We are focusing in on the big meeting. As I say, tomorrow we are recording the Royal Ascot preview show. It's going to be your definitive guide to the big races over the five days. And it'll be with you at 7 p.m. on Monday night on all the social media channels for Betfair. Uh, But in the meantime, Enjoy your week, guys. Thank you very much. As always, have a good one. And yes, join us for all that Ascot content coming your way.